When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Kirk Cousins. They set up. Madison to the backfield. In the flat. Touchdown. Minnesota and Alexander Madison, the rookie from Boise State, their third round pick. All right, Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin here. We will have a Zolgad appearance in the second hour. And guess what? Because the Vikings are off from practice today, Hot Routes will make a return. I am so excited to share the Hot Routes that I have come up with for the second hour. And we also have Drew McGarry putting out his Deadspin, Why Your Team Sucks, uh, Minnesota Vikings version, which is a every classic. year, every year is good. great. Every and in this one, particularly, this, is uh, eight, seven, and one did a lot of good things for Drew McGarry and his uh, basically, it's a diss track to every single team that he writes. And it's always good with the Vikings because he's a Vikings fan and he just shreds the Vikings through the whole thing. And it's very, very funny. If you have any sense of humor, then you'll enjoy a lot of the jokes. About- well, and, the, and the writing itself is really good. Yeah. And that's, the way and he that's puts what makes it together. It. Yep. So funny. Because any, anyone could make jokes about NFL teams, but the way that he puts it. So we'll read you some of the excerpts that are... Um, radio friendly later on in the show and uh, get your we reaction. We can make some of it radio friendly if we have to. Yeah, you can always just use the word bleep, bleep. if you want to. <laughs> um, but I, I want to start, Courtney, with the kicking competition and the fact that I don't want to talk about it anymore until it's mm-hmm. over. Okay, we've talked about Kerry Vedvik enough. We've seen him boot some monster field goals out there training camp. We saw him punting. Uh, yesterday, Dan Bailey was doing all the actual kicking in real drills, not off a tee or anything. So I'm getting the sense that Kerry Vedvik will be the punter, and Matt Weil, once his hand heals, will probably be cut or something, right? Or once they see Kerry Vedvik punt in actual games, Matt Weil will be gone. But I'm over it. All right, for now... I'm over it, and I don't have anything more to say about it. I am thankful for it because it gave us something fun to talk about for a little while. Like, whoa, what's going on here? But uh, now what is my question for you? Well, there's no clarity. So what? Well, that, yeah, but I don't care about that. That's my point. It's like, I don't, I don't but care anybody, that anybody no who's there, It's a lazy thing to keep writing about. I know that people want to talk about it, but it's... It's over. It's done with. They brought somebody else in. Someone's going to lose a job, if not both, which I think is very unlikely. You're not going to... Because think about that. The only thing that we should be talking about here as it relates to the kicking game is what happens in the preseason game potentially this Sunday where, you know, are you going to see Corey Vedvik uh, punting and kicking? Mike Zimmer hinted at it yesterday when we spoke with him. Are you still into this? You're you're acting like you're still no, into this. No, I just think it's... I you just got it. You just said, I don't know why people are still talking about it, and then you just, like, really went into it. That's the only thing I give a crap about because at this <laughs> point, it's like... There are no storylines with this. Yeah. It's a fact of the matter. Just like bringing in Austin Cutting with Kevin McDermott, you knew that he was going to not have a McDermott yes. was not going to have a job it was back over. in April. Yep. We know that Matt Weil is probably not going to have a job here. So the fact that we keep dancing around this and is he going to be a punter? Is he going to be a kicker? <laughs> I don't care. I know he's going to have a job here, but the whole thing that Mike Zimmer keeps toying about where, oh, I might let him have two jobs, I don't buy it. Because what happens when he gets hurt? 
he's not going to have two jobs. He's not going to have right? two jobs. And th- so that's where we need to draw the line because I keep getting questions from people about, oh my gosh, what would that look like, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, Dan Bailey was per- had his first perfect practice yesterday. Awesome. Um, and with Corey Vedvik being a rookie, essentially still a rookie because he only played the 2018 preseason, you're not going to give a guy, a rookie a load like that to manage. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. So it's over. It's done with. Um, I, I would appreciate if we stop writing about it and stop talking about it. But there are things to keep an eye on as it pertains to it. Like if if they make him, if they're letting him kick field goals and he's not good at it this weekend, and then it becomes a story again. But until then, like I think it'll be just it's just kind of boring. You know what I think you are? I think you're the person who says I'm not gonna ever think about that person again. And then you go to their Facebook. That was you with this conversation. That's no, what just, you just I, did with this conversation. You were like, uh, it's not interesting anymore. But what if he did both? No, he can't do both, I'm right? I was saying, I read a headline today being like, there's no clarity of the kicking situation. Why the hell are you writing about it if there's no clarity of the kicking t- situation? Wait till there's a, wait till there's an answer. That's my thing. I think people get so caught up in this. Like, oh my goodness, we finally have a storyline to talk about here in training camp. And it's like, there's no clarity. Yes, there's no clarity right now. This is something that's going to play out for the next three preseason games, the next three weeks of camp. Let's just wait till it, like, let's let it play out. I mean, I'm not saying I'm taking Mike Zimmer's side of this, of the give me a week before I know what this guy's going to do, but let's just let it play out. Do you want to talk more about whether he could do both, kicking and punting? I, I just don't buy it. I'm sort of getting a vibe that you want to talk more no, about it. I mean, you don't it, think it's it, possible? Until we see it. I think it's, I think it's just, it, yeah, you save a roster spot and maybe he could get a seventh linebacker that he really wants so badly. As exciting as that is. Uh, <laughs> but, um, no. Courtney, you sound like that's been boiling no, for I, about I just, a couple hours. I just think morning. it's, the fact that this is the hot storyline, Manny, in camp, yeah, it's just like, give me something better to talk about. It's, it's, <laughs> and I know, I mean, if you're a team, this is a dream. If this is your only storyline, I still, you know, I'm over the whole stuff from like the weekend of, you know, all of us overreacting, thinking, what are they doing? They keep shooting themselves in the foot as it pertains to special teams. Like, that was cool two days ago, but now let's move on. Let's find something to talk about. Because, I mean, this is this is the storyline of the 2019 Vikings training camp. One little blip on the radar becomes something big, and now it's not really. So that's where I was going to go before you got really excited about this eh, again. I, I just think it's, it's um, let's stop writing about, like, oh, there's no clarity. Like, why is that a story to me? Or to anybody. Why is that a story? That there is not clarity? Yeah, why Why do people write that? That really is annoying. Uh I, I didn't. I scorenorth.com, you can check. I wrote about Kirk clear, Cousins' I'm, accuracy. Clear, clearly not referring to you. <laughs> clearly not referring to you. Uh, okay. Anyway, so then that was my question, though, to start the show, is kind of where where do we go from here, though, with what we're interested in with the Vikings throughout the rest of training camp? Because the, even the first preseason game didn't give us any of those sort of storylines that we might be looking for. And not that you want anybody to get hurt, of course, but normally someone will get dinged up in a preseason game and then we'll have to talk about, okay, what now? What happens? Or there will be some outstanding performance that will uh, just you know blow up and this guy has a great game. Last year it was Mike Boone and Rock Thomas. It was Rock Thomas had the big game. So then we start talking, okay, wow, does this guy have a chance to make the team? And there really even wasn't that. BC Johnson had two catches, and that's who we were talking about. And Alexander two, Madison. Two catches. And her, we played him at the top of the show. And, and, so. he, and he ends up with 30 yards rushing. So there were no real, like, shining performances. And so we're left with kind of two options in terms of the way that we're looking at this until we have more information is, do we look at, okay, is this team actually in trouble because so few people have emerged as intriguing camp bodies um, from a depth perspective? Defensively, yes. Or is it that um, the team from the starters is in really good shape in terms of health, which you never know when you go into a training camp? Well, it's it's both. I mean, there's no there's no middle ground of like they've got some good, as you mentioned, like there aren't really any pieces um, of this of this depth structure that have really emerged, like BC Johnson, great, he had a good game. He's probably the number three, number four receiver. I still think BB right now. Like I'm not going to take him out of his oh, yeah, number, he's three number spot. Three. Yeah. Um. But maybe, but maybe BC Johnson eventually um, can bypass him and, and earn that. But that's that's one role. Alexander Madison, we know he's going to play. We know he's making this team. He's going to play a lot. Like, so that's where I'm at with that. 
outside of that, like my head goes to the defense. Like I was doing a podcast with Vikings.com actually yesterday and they had me fill out a bunch of Mad Libs. Um, it was interesting. And one of them was the Vikings, def- Vikings defensive <laughs> depth is blank. And I said... That's not a Mad Lib, really, is it? Well, I mean, it's a fill-in-the-blank. Isn't that what Mad Libs is? Okay, no. So Mad Libs are more when you have to answer questions, but then it's put into a story. So it's like, name something that flies, and you'll say, a bird. And then the story will be like... Oh, I wrote a blank, and it'll be like a bird. Oh, but you didn't know that that oh, was how it was going to okay, be used. Okay, well, this is a fill-in-the-blank thing. I thought yeah. that was called Mad Libs. Yeah. Anyways, You're um, I said questionable spots, but we're not, like, when are we going to start talking about the cornerback depth? When are we going to start talking about the fact that they should probably trade to bring a safety in here because they really don't have any depth? I'm not, and I'm not sold yet on Marcus Epps. I mean, he had a great practice yesterday um had two picks or the quarterbacks had a bad practice or the quarterbacks, it's so hard to know yes um but i mean it's just like i'd be worried right now i think the defensive line depth we knew after week one preseason that it looked okay and, and it looked like it's a work in progress but it looks like it'll be okay linebackers no issues there um if you want to keep all seven of them go ahead uh cornerback in safety I'd be concerned about the back end, back seven of this defense. I really would be, and and I am because I'm looking at this cornerback group. Duke Thomas is not very good. Um, Craig James didn't do anything last week. Should I be applauding Nate Meters, Meters, whatever his name is, because he was in the right place at the right time and caught a ball that bounced off somebody's hands? I don't know. I mean, did I'd, someone give you the wrong order to drive through before you? <laughs> no, came I'm here? just. I, I just it's think just that, like tw- the guy has a pick six, and you're like, who cares? I'm not even going to pronounce his name right. No, Early Cron- I, uh, Cronin today. No, I, I just I, think I, I that, got yelled at for uh, Jeff Bad football for a long time. <laughs> I'm not purposely <laughs> pronouncing his name uh, wrong. You're just, you're just refusing to learn it. I, I don't know what it is. Do you? No. Okay. <laughs> Let's get back to the point. Um, you know, the cornerback depth is still a problem, and they haven't addressed it really because we don't know much about Benabe and Wickery outside of the little we saw him play, and it wasn't great uh, the other day in the fourth quarter. Um, beyond that, it is a big concern. I think that cornerback depth is probably the number one question mark on this team, don't you? I would say so, but here's what I was going to ask you about that. Um, does it, do we, are we really concerned about any of this when it comes to the depth? Like, are you really super worried about the wide receiver depth? Are you really super worried about the defensive back depth? Especially with what happened last year where we were all super concerned with the defensive back depth. And then Holton Hill comes in as an undrafted free agent and he's good. And they even lose Mike Hughes and still find a way to be one of the best passing defenses in the league just because Mike Zimmer has a great scheme. I mean, they didn't even get great performances out of Trey Wayne's or Xavier Rhodes or even Harrison Smith was not the same no, he was- as he was two years ago. Mm-hmm. And yet still they ended up with one of the best passing defenses in the NFL. And that's the thing is when we're hunting for what are the storylines here and the themes of camp, it's almost like if the biggest thing that we're trying to talk about as a concern is something that is hard to get overly worked up about especially since everyone's been healthy. Now, if they weren't, then I would maybe look at it differently. But I don't know. I I guess what I'm thinking is that this so far has been, aside from some real goofiness with the kicker slash punter slash holder guy that they brought in, has been pretty much a dream for the Vikings. Oh, yeah. It allows them to fly under the radar, for, for one, and it also allows them to stay healthy. Like, they're not a story right now. You don't want to be a story in training camp. You don't want to talk about expectations. You don't want to talk about why the, the chips are stacked against you and why everybody thinks you're going to suck this year. Like, if you, if that was your team. Like, I, I was watching Hard Knocks last night. Yeah. And, um, you know, John Gruden was bringing up how, I guess, everybody is writing about how the Raiders are going to be terrible this year. I haven't read anything that no. re- remotely resembles that with uh, anybody in the AFC West outside of Denver. That's a th- but most coaches um, do that, right? I know. Like they don't believe in us. Yeah, but like I mean, you just like there isn't even that with the Vikings. There's no, I mean, there's there's more so just like positive stuff about how they should win the division and how they have a great roster and everything else. But the depth concerns, like it's almost like we're addressing them, but we're not mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of like the overall narrative of what training camp is with this team, but. You're right. I mean, I just feel like we're beating a dead horse. Like, it's just like the same thing over and over again with this team right now is that, yes, they're boring. They're vanilla. We don't know a whole lot Mm -hmm. yet. Uh, But I think the good thing is here that you are seeing stuff that you can take away 
from these preseason games, at least the first one. Um, it's a small sample size, but you there were good takeaways from that game just overall. Not talking about certain players, not talking about the execution on, you know, the the Adam Thielen adjusting his his body to to get that ball at the one yard line. Overall scheme wise, I think they're in a good place. And that to me is the biggest thing that I'm taking away from these preseason games from I'll just say it from the offensive standpoint. I really liked what they did last uh Friday night. And I and I like what that look is because I think we talked about it right after the game on the podcast that they're actually doing what they said they wanted to do mm-hmm. in the offseason. Yeah. Uh, so where I get to with all this, the fact that they have been boring and that our biggest concern is whether B.C. Johnson can hold down the fourth receiver, which I would say, even if they had brought in other receivers that were veterans and proven, if Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs go down, you're in trouble anyway. And even if they had brought in other depth defensive corners or if they had drafted someone in the third round or whatever it might be, if Waynes and Rhodes go down, there's just not that huge of a difference probably between a third-round pick and Ben Wickery, right? I mean, there just really isn't. Uh, in terms of your wins and losses. But the fact that everyone has been healthy, the fact that the offense has done what they said they were going to do, Garrett Bradbury in his first preseason game looked very good. Pat Elfline is healthy. All those things that we were talking about could go the right way for the Vikings through several weeks of training camp and one preseason game have gone their way. Does it increase... In your mind, the chances from even when we just started talking about this at the end of the draft and free agency, when we felt the roster was set, are that uh, would you be more confident in saying that they could get to an NFC championship game, say, than you would have been in early May? Is it different for you now that you've seen yeah, a pro- lot of practice? Probably a little bit, but I also... I don't know. As, as, as someone who covers this team, I always have so much pause doing that. Because it is still really early, and they have such a long way to go. Yes, there's been nine installs. The entire offense is in. Um, and as Kirk told us last week, that they're now trying to flush out, okay, what are we really good at? What are the plays that are going to bring out the strengths in me, bring out the strengths in my personnel, get these explosive plays back that they didn't have a year ago? It's all that. Um the reason I say, though, I like that I am marginally more confident in, in if I had to predict that is because of this offense. Um, I think that that's the thing that's taken me by surprise, and maybe it shouldn't have. Maybe I should have expected it to click this quickly. Mm-hmm. But just from seeing that how much it struggled last year with a brand new system and with all of these wrinkles that they were adding in and trying to play to Kirk's strengths, but it really wasn't. Um, the offense looks, I, I, I don't want to call it ahead of schedule, but they just... I'm I'm impressed more by the offense at this point that at this point this year than I was last year, which makes me believe, hey, they actually are getting this thing together and getting it on the right track and putting Kirk Cousins in a place where he can excel. All right, so we got to take a break, but I'm going to kind of put this to the test uh, after we talk with Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus, which is coming up next. I want you to pick the Vikings. I, I want you to go through and pick every game, okay, and we'll see where we come out. And compared to when you were asked to do it for ESPN when the schedule first came out. Because I I feel like our, our look at it, the lack of injuries so far, how they performed in the first preseason game, if we're trying to gather all of these little things, they've kind of all gone right, except for Chris Boyd hasn't emerged, I guess, right? So, well, he's injured. He is, and that's one of the reasons he hasn't emerged. Um, let's uh, talk with Mike Renner when we come back. Pro Football Focus. Um, he is in charge of draft coverage and is already looking forward to the 2020 draft. So we're going to discuss a little bit of that um, as well as what he thinks of this year's Vikings team and what the numbers say. When we return, you're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. It's Purple Daily on Score North. You know, it's always good to do uh, when, you, when you have limited reps to go out there and move the ball, um, get some first downs, and, and uh, you know, obviously 
it obviously helps when you you know you put the work in and in OTAs training camp and then you go out there and, and you're able to move the ball it definitely feels good but at the same time uh, it's one drive of a football game and, and it's uh, this game is a long game so still a lot of work to do and excited for for, for that that was Minnesota Vikings wide receiver Adam Thielen, and now joining us on the show to discuss a little Vikings, but also his 2020 draft preview is Mike Renner, who is now in control. He's got the reins of the draft coverage of Pro Football Focus, so he's on the line with us from Cincinnati. What's going on, Mike? Hey, how's it going? Thanks oh, for having me on. Yeah, we're doing good, man. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. It's an exciting time of year, um, but... There's too many preseason games by about two or three. Um, but Actually, uh, by about four. No, I'm kidding. I, I you need it, to have at least one. I get yeah, excited for the first one, and then I'm like, ah. I actually get excited more. for the third. The all-important. The all-important one. Yes, sure. Um, Is that got a trademark logo yeah, next I think to it? it does, all yeah. important. Just like Ohio State with the the Ohio State that's being trademarked. Um, anyway, so, Mike, you, you've got your 2020 draft board out here. You've got the preview on Pro Football Focus. Um, tell me the theme of the 2020 draft preview. I think the theme of the 2020 draft class is the wide receiver class. I think it is uh, back to the 2014, the one with you know Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, the vaunted class. We haven't seen anything like that. It's actually been, I think, across the NFL, the worst scouted position since then in terms of hit rate in the first few rounds. Uh, I think this one's going to be a no-brainer in terms of you got four or five guys in it that look like surefire number one type of receivers, and I don't think uh, we're going to be missing on anytime soon. Uh, Mike, why is that? Why is it such a hard position to um, evaluate? Because I look at the Vikings, and their number one, two, and three receivers right now are uh, one fifth-rounder, two undrafteds. The guy who is leading for the fourth wide receiver is a seventh-round pick. I mean, some of the guys who are the best in the league, like Julio Jones, are top draft picks. But it does seem like it's a really challenging position for teams to evaluate. That's a really good question. It's something I spent a lot of the off season sort of thinking about and looking back at our grades and our evaluations and uh, trying to come up with you know things that really matter at the wide receiver position, what the wide, the top wide receivers in the NFL do best uh, to try to project what really matters. And I think one of the biggest things we came up with is you know separation down the field. Uh, a lot of guys will produce in college football just because they are the focal point of their respective offenses. They're just getting you know pumped targets and aren't necessarily having to beat coverages. And so I think that was a big thing that we tried to isolate was uh, actual times guys had to beat coverage that they were playing, had to actually you know run routes that fooled the defender in some way, shape, or form. Because I think that. It is the biggest thing that translates just because a guy had 1,600 yards in college doesn't necessarily mean uh, he was doing anything special that should translate to the NFL. And you see these spread college offenses. Everyone has a number one receiver now. Everyone has a guy who's putting up over 1,000 yards, it seems like. But isolating you know, what a guy actually did to get that 1,000 yards uh, is something we're trying to do more of. Alabama has Jerry Judy. They also have Tua Tagovailoa, who seems to be the centerpiece of this class, at least for now, the big name. Um, but I don't want to talk about quarterbacks, Mike. I want to talk about edge rushers. Uh, just because I think back to the 2019 draft and just how many defensive linemen went in the first round and the intrigue those last few months through the combine, through all the uh, postseason uh, combines, bowl games, the whole thing. Uh, where who are you looking at? Like, what are some names that we should know among the defensive linemen that could possibly be taking our attention? I don't know, six, seven, eight months from now, um, kind of like this last class did. I think there's two clear cut, the one, two guys in this class, very similar to last year when you had uh, Nick Bosa and Josh Allen. I think there's two guys that really rise above the rest, and one's Chase Young out of Ohio State, who actually came in for Nick Bosa when he went down and led the entire college football and pressures last season the first guy as a true sophomore to ever do that in our five years of grading college football players so i think he's a pretty clear-cut top option i'd be very surprised if he's not a top five pick next spring then the other one's aj uh, epinesa from iowa and uh, only played like 412 snaps last year didn't even really start for iowa but he's 6 7 280 and when he did play, uh, was absolutely dominant. I- I'm not exactly sure why he didn't play more, to be honest, but he is uh, an incredible rush in the passer, just dominated college offensive linemen. I don't feel as good about him as Young, considering you know the sample sizes, 
but uh, I feel pretty good about a guy who's 6'7", 280, and is already dominating in college football, being a good edge rusher in the NFL. Talking with uh, Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus, who's on the line with us from the Cincinnati PFF offices, where they have great parking across the street. Um, that's an inside true. joke, but it is true. Um, so uh, you have a gopher in your top 50, which usually doesn't happen, Mike. I don't know if you know that. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, Carter Coughlin is in your top 50 of uh, 2020 draft board. Tell me about why he is that high. Well, we got two gophers, actually. We got Tyler Johnson in the top it? 50 oh, as well. He's top 25. He's a little higher. But yeah, Carter Coughlin, uh, I'm really excited to see what he does this next season because he's very athletic, very athletic edge rusher. Uh, and wins with his hands well as well. Uh, I'm excited to see him put if he get if he puts on weight. I think that's one of the biggest things with all these college edge rushers. These guys rushing the passer 235, 240. It's just not going to work in the NFL. You try bull rushing Tyron Smith at that size, he's going to laugh in your face. And so I think these guys need to put on the guys that are rushing the passer at that way in college football. Uh, you just want to see them get up to the 245, 250 range so that they can at least threaten with that bull rush because he wasn't even doing that necessarily against college offensive linemen. And yes, there are a handful of guys that win that way in the NFL. I don't think anyone's worried about Yannick Ngakwe bull rushing them anytime soon and still gets after the quarterback at a high level, but you just have to be perfect pretty much in every other regard if you're not going to be able to threaten with the bull rush. So I think if he puts on some weight this year, he could even go higher up on our draft board uh, by the time 2020 draft rolls around. All right, so it's time to get back to Tua uh, and the quarterbacks just because it seems like among the top tier uh, group that we have well, why here. Why did you pun on his last name? You you nailed it. Tua Tagovailoa. <laughs> yeah, you've got it's it. It's just a tongue twister. I, you know, okay, I, I think if you can do it, it's kind of like Antetokounmpo. Like, if you could do it, then Well, do it's it. also, he's got Throw so much recognition. If you have that much recognition, you are a one-name person, like That's Prince. That's true. Um, Tua is just Prince, like Prince. Prince Giannis Tua. That's where we're at right now. Okay, Mike. I'm so sorry. among we're one, we, Matt and I were talking about this off air, and I think I bro- broached the question with two is going to Miami, right? Like that's how we look at this here. Um, but what are the chances now that he's not the number one quarterback taken? I mean, you have what Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm. Is there any chance that those guys get pit- taken before him? I think there's a very real chance Herbert plays his way into the number one overall pick. I don't really see it with Fromm, just simply because. In that Georgia offense, they're not going to give them the opportunities. They're just going to—they're so run heavy. Uh, they've ran more than they've passed uh, every year of his career so far, and with the offensive line they have coming back, I don't think that's changing anytime soon. And when you just see a guy in a very run-heavy offense who's protected by that, you just get a little uncomfortable because he doesn't have to win with his arm. So I wouldn't put Fromm necessarily. I, I just don't foresee him being able to leapfrog Tua at this point. But I think Herbert can. Because Herbert, from a you know, he very much looks the part. You know, in quotation mark, looks the part. Six six, two thirty five, uh, cannon for an arm, and we'll have games where he just looks like Aaron Rodgers out there, can't miss. And he throws twenty yard outs down the field that he's putting there in the blink of an eye. Uh, he's much more impressive the high end level throws and the high end level plays that he has than anyone else really in this draft class. But it's the inconsistency. He had games last year where he just completely fell apart, mentally looked checked out, and I think that's why he didn't declare with all those tools. I mean, he had more tools than even anyone uh, who came out in last year's draft class. He could have been the number one pick if he didn't have those games on his tape. So, basically, if he erases those, I think there's a very good chance he does leapfrog Tua and becomes the number one overall pick. A note on Jake Fromm, is there a chance that you know either he, KJ Costello, they don't enter the draft? Uh, is there that thought that they might need another another year and stay as seniors? Uh, I'm not sure uh, eligibility-wise with Costello. I'm not off the top of my head if he has another year of eligibility left, but I do think that there is a good chance if uh, you know if Tua looks like Tua and Herbert look like a solid one-two punch and they really believe in themselves, uh, they could come back another year. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence will be the number one pick in 2021, but I think that there's a good chance that both guys could. Uh, decide to come back to school, especially from, uh, I just think if he does have, like I said, he's just not going to have a lot of chance to show that he is the guy in that offense. Uh, and if he gets a fourth year there, uh, and just the breadth of sort of his play at that point, four years of high quality play, uh, I think it push him up into the, into the first round of the draft. Mike, I have a philosophical question for you here, because clearly, as you would expect, your top 50 uh, has Clemsoners and uh, Alabamans. I don't know what they're Alabamians. Right. Is, that, is that what they're Alabamians? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right, great. Um, so, well, something I think about sometimes with these great college programs is that if you're 
good and you probably fit the specs from size and weight and everything else um, but you're playing with great players all the time that you can look better and I was thinking of Drew Samia for this and he's been okay in training camp but hasn't gotten many second team reps and there's even a chance he gets cut as a fourth round pick and I wonder about the Oklahoma offensive line was so good that and there was a chance somebody was the one who was maybe a weaker link than maybe we thought. I mean, how do you deal with that as you're looking at uh, at the draft with a couple of powerhouses like Clemson and Alabama? It's difficult. It definitely is difficult to isolate one guy's performance on any given play. And that's sort of what I talked about with the wide receiver thing. Uh, is isolating when it actually matters. What when he actually did his job above what you would expect someone to do their job. Uh, and I think that's all you really can do. You can't necessarily just look at uh, raw stats and claim that a guy is good just because uh, you know he's put up these incredible raw stats. I think you have to dig a little deeper. Uh, and on one hand, I, I think it's uh, when you are surrounded by you know as many talented players as Alabama has, uh, you can look better. You will get less attention if you're Jerry Judy when you have a Henry Ruggs and a Jalen Waddle on the outside as well. But at the same time, I think when you're maybe a flip side of the ball, Alabama's defense, you're very uh, easily projected from that scheme to the NFL. What you're asked to do, you're also asked to be do at the NFL level. So there's kind of a give and a take with it uh, in terms of projecting to the next level. You really have to do your best to not just look at the name on the front of the jersey, look at the name on the back as well. Oh, that's great, that's Mike. Nice. That's nice. That's perfect. So I have one last question, Mike. Uh, just from like a philosophical, I guess, inside baseball, inside football thing. Um, how does this work now? The next, uh, I don't know, I can't do math, like from now until April, um, a 300 plus page guide here. Um, what, and these are like the initial, this is your initial read on all of these guys that are going to potentially be draft prospects. How do you go about the next few months and like, do you chart, like, are you charting every single guy throughout, you know, every single Saturday and college football games? How, how much does it truly change? Well, I've been telling people this week now, even though football started, this is my offseason now. My offseason just started. So I get a couple weeks of uh, not necessarily grinding the tape for college players. But once college does start up, uh, basically, I won't be doing the grading myself of the individual players, but other people will. And I'll look for notable grades, uh, where on the good good side or the bad side, maybe guys who I haven't even seen yet, uh, their grades if someone shows out there, and then go back and break down their games individually. So that's basically going to be what I do throughout the season. Uh, I'm going to be writing a column that goes up on Monday mornings detailing all that, uh, what I saw from the weekend sort of thing. So that's going to be my role here going forward. Uh, Mike Renner for Pro Football Focus. Uh, so we were talking about good players on great teams in college and how hard that is. Irv Smith would also qualify for that, I think. And uh, it's been very unclear to us in training camp just how far along Irv Smith really is. We've gotten some indication from Gary Kubiak and from Mike Zimmer that he's in a little bit over his head with the playbook and things like that. Which well, you believe they use the term expect. swimming. Swimming would be his head so is swimming. He's drowning, so, in other words. Um, I don't. I don't know how much of of Irv that you focused on last year, but he's such an intriguing um, element to this Vikings offense. I think Mike because they don't have a outstanding number three receiver. They don't have you know a. Um, a lot of other weapons. They don't have a running back specifically who's going to go down the field like a Tariq Cohen or something like that. So they are kind of relying on him. And it seems to me, Mike, that the tight end position is just a really hard one with rookies to rely on. Yeah, I went back. uh, This was right before the draft. I talked with uh, Kevin Cole, who now actually works for us, but this is on his podcast. And I talked about how tight ends are so difficult to scout because it's probably the smallest sample size of any position uh, in college football, projecting to the NFL, you get guys like TJ Hawkinson, his entire college career had something like 90 targets. That's two thirds of a season for, you know, Travis Kelsey, uh, for Zach Ertz. That's not even close to a full season. So you're watching, you know, 12 games of a guy basically of what he's going to do at the NFL level. You just don't know then from a receiving perspective necessarily what you're getting. And I've always been wary of the undersized tight ends because they are always going to look faster. They're always going to look more athletic. But then once you get to the NFL, you have to have... And so against college linebackers, that looks great. They get open really easily. Once you get to the NFL, they're facing guys who 
are their exact same size, exact same athleticism at the linebacker position. All of a sudden, they don't have that built-in advantage and have to win in a different way. And all of a sudden, you don't have that ability to match up with the cornerback and win on jump balls because the cornerback you're facing is the same height as you, you know, the 6'2", 6'3", tight ends. So uh, I've always been wary of those guys, tougher to inline block at that height as well. So uh, I think I was a little lower uh, on him coming out than a lot, or Smith that is coming out than a lot of people just because of that. I just worry about those guys necessarily translating to the NFL. You kind of have to have a plan to use them in your offense. They're not going to be able to do all the traditional tight end things. So I, I was on a fantasy show as a guest yesterday, and they asked me about Irv. And like, oh, should we expect 50 catches from this guy? And I wouldn't even be shocked if Tyler Conklin ended up with just as many or more. I mean, just with the way this position is. So. It's just hard for rookies. Like yeah. it, We know this year after year, and I know that last year Mark Andrews was kind of the anomaly uh, with that position in Baltimore, that it's not a plug-and-play position. At least that's the, that's the vibe that we get from Gary Kubiak from how they coach it. And, I mean, just how much diffi- more difficult it is everything he's being asked to do and learn here at the NFL level than it was at Alabama. So, Mike, this team really drafted their first two picks to be plug-and-play and and make a huge impact right away. They said that on draft night, so I'm not just guessing on this. I mean, I guess I would wonder then, there were a lot of receivers that PFF loved in the second and third rounds if maybe they should have gone for that number three instead of going for a tight end because of how volatile the position is if they want someone for 2019. Yeah, if you did want someone for 2019, I think a slot wide receiver would have made as much of an impact or more at the t- than a tight end at this point. Uh, it's, again, still very early. We still have three to four weeks. I'm not going to completely bust, overreact. Mike. I'm Call not going to completely bust. overreact to that, but if you did want plug-and-play guys... Uh, offensive line is just not a position where there's a lot of plug-and-play guys. It's a difficult transition. So I, I don't think that uh, necessarily O-line and tight ends, while, yes, definitely needs for the Vikings on that roster, definitely guys where you could have upgraded. I'm not sure relying on them in the draft uh, was necessarily the best historical, from what we've seen historically, uh, at those positions. All right, Mike, where can people find the PFF preseason draft guide? Go to pff.com. It's on the front page there there's a little link to where you can get it it comes with either an edge or elite subscription so for nine dollars 99 cents you can get yourself one of those Uh, i've realized the other day i don't know if this is supposed to still be working but the score promotion that we did when i was down there is still working on the pff Uh site so i don't don't give it give it to the people go go ahead (laughs) that's supposed to happen uh yeah (laughs) if, if you're getting the uh the subscription and you just type in skor then you can get whatever percentage off. I can't remember mm-hmm. what it is. So promo code. Promo yes. Wow, promo, it's a promo code score. Code. Right. Uh, nice. Mike, love your work. Um, uh, glad, glad to have you on. We're going to have PFF people on each week, so we'll check in with you pretty regularly on uh, what's going on in the college football season. So thanks again, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Let's uh, follow him at PFF underscore Mike. Mike Render there. Um, just one of the best at, at breaking it down. So let's take a break, Courtney. You have to do a pie chart. I just Or you've did. been working I've on been a pie working. chart. It, it actually was, was not a very hard one. It was requested that you do the Corey Vedvik pie chart of what he could become for the Minnesota Vikings. So let's take a look at that. When we return, we'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. All right, it's Score North Download Time. It's 2.43. It's Manny Hill here with you. One more segment of Hour 1 of Purple Daily coming up here. And speaking of the purple, Adam Thielen was asked about the the growth and development of uh, Viking safety Anthony Harris. And uh, here's what the Viking star receiver had to say about the young safety on the other side of the ball. When you see good teams, they have a lot of really good football players. And, and it's not the, the draft stuff, it's not the combine stuff. Um, you know, how fast is his 40? How high can he jump? It's not that, it's, it's can he do his job and can he do it at a high level? Can he make plays when the ball's in the air? Can he fit his gaps right? I think he's a guy that comes out and he works his tail off. Um, he's always in the right spot and, and he seems to make plays when the ball's in the air. And that's uh, what this game comes down to is, is you're gonna get man-to-man coverage. You're gonna get one-on-one situations. Can you win those one-on-one situations? And uh, I think he's done that. Anthony Harris has been a nice little solid find for the Vikings over the last couple of years at that safety spot, guys. 
Thank you, Manny. Uh, we'll have hot routes coming up. It's yes, triumphant it's return since the Vikings are off of practice today. Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin, Manny Hill is in for Jonathan, and Judd Zolgad will be in here at 3 o'clock. So uh, you, it was requested on Twitter that you make a pie chart. If people do not know this, you are very bad at making pie charts. You struggle, and I that's why have, we make you do them. I have trouble figuring out like where to draw the line for the percentages as evident by the one that I have right here. I wish we were live streaming at the moment so people could see. a little wonky. Yep. Um, so I had to draw an X out of that line. Um, okay, so here's here's what the requested pie chart is. It's of Kerry Vedvik and whether he A, becomes the kicker, B, becomes the punter, C, becomes both, or D, becomes nothing. So you got to take all of those, yes. put them in a pie chart. Tell me your percentages for those things to happen. Do you want me to explain after each one or just tell you first and then? Sure, we'll... you can explain after okay. each one. Um, 60% I have him as the punter slash holder. You don't bring, I mean, Matt Weil is 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 gone. He probably should have been gone after he forgot to run on the field on fourth down mm. in um, in New England last year. That to me was kind of the icing on the cake, the the penalty in Green Bay, the just a lot of stuff kept adding up. I don't think that that was ever the guy that Mike Zimmer really liked at the position or wanted. Um so it's an easy fix, it's an easy way to replace, you know, not having to do all that much moving around. Mm-hmm. Um I think he's the punter and the holder. You have two rookies in that battery, so that is going to be a challenge. Um but at least it's not like you're moving, you know, you're keeping Matt Weil and making this guy the kicker. Now, I have him as a 30% chance to be the kicker. Oh, okay. Because if Dan Bailey melts down, right. or if, um, you know, he had, he's coming off his worst season as a pro, he's now the fifth most accurate kicker in NFL history after being the second last season, or going into last season. So I give it a 30% chance just because... It's. It does seem like it is something that is possible because of how good he was last week in the preseason game in Baltimore against mm-hmm. uh, Jacksonville, and then even before that, last year he was very good as a kicker uh, in the preseason, and then obviously he was on the NFI because of the assault, and, and we never really got to see what his potential was. Yeah. Um. So I give it thirty percent chance. I only give ten percent for both. Yeah. I don't it just. It's unrealistic. Happen. Like, what if somebody gets hurt? Do you have a backup? Anybody who can kick backup wise, like I mean, it just isn't. Gonna... There's probably someone who's randomly really good at it on the roster. Remember just, when Indomitian Sue kicked an extra point yes. in a preseason game? It just doesn't. Just let's let's stay away from that. And I have zero percent chance for nothing because why would you give up a fifth round pick uh, for somebody who you're going to end up cutting? And we know this team does not like to walk it back mm-hmm. and make. Any sort of conceding that hey we screwed up with this player we're gonna but we're gonna grit and bear it um, for as long as as humanly possible. It, the fact that it was a fifth rounder, if it was a seventh rounder, I might say eh, there's a pretty good chance. I, I think that your percentages are spot on. I might go even a little higher on punter. I think there's a very very good chance he's the punter. Yeah. I might go like eighty percent on punter. I'll That's go fair. I'll go five percent on nothing. Five percent on He's both. the uh, the yeah both. I I mean I think that's almost impossible. And then ten percent on kicker. And it really depends. I think they're going to try on purpose to get some field goals for Dan Bailey to give him every chance to screw up. But he was really good in practice yesterday. Maybe now that he's got a consistent holder. Um, something else I, I needed you to do. Yeah. Put you through some exercises here uh, on the show before Zolgad keeping me fresh. Yes. Keeping me fresh on my off day. So we started out the show talking about how the quiet nature of this training camp is actually really good for the Minnesota Vikings because if the la- if the top thing that we're talking about is a kicker slash punter slash holder. And whether they have enough depth after getting Benet Ben Wickery, then like that's really good. We're not talking about a season ending injury for anyone important, at least so far. We're not talking about any contract holdouts or any off field issues or, um, Zimmer hasn't fired a coordinator yet. Like nothing has happened so yet. far. So, uh, I want you to pick the Vikings. You, you did this for ESPN in what, May? April. April? The, day, the night that the schedule came out. All right. So, I, I want to see if anything has changed in your mind now that we've seen that the offense looks good and there has been no travesties. So, so I will, I'll read what I had for each game. I'll go through it quickly. I had them at 10 and 6, and then I'll just go through the ones that I'm changing. So... Okay, I, I want to pick the. I, let me just, want, let me just give you the games, and then I'll keep track of what you have here. Okay, okay. I, I want us to do this so like do you, sort do you of want a me to live do, version. Okay, Manny, right. do you have some NFL music that you could put behind this? 
Like this is I, I want the, I want there to be okay. pressure on you. I want this to be like um like a, a Chicago Bears kicker with like the pressure is like, on. But then we need now Augustus picking... Silence. Nobody should be talking for the next seven minutes. <laughs> but we always have that in the background. So your Augusta Silence is NFL films okay. music. All right, so let's start. Ten off. and six is what I had them at, and we'll see how we'll far see if I you get there it. again or okay. not. Don't try on purpose to get to that number. I, I, just just pick them. You straight know that up. I can't do math. No so, games here. Okay. All right. Let us start off with at U.S. Bank Stadium, Vikings and Atlanta Falcons. Win. September 8th. That is a win. All right. The Vikings travel to Green Bay, Wisconsin to face the Matt LaFleur-led Packers. Win. All right. Uh, Oakland brings Antonio Brown and his defrosted feet and his brand new helmet to town, and they play the Oakland Raiders. That is a win. A 3-0 and start for the Minnesota Vikings. They go to Chicago, Soldier Field, September 29th, 325 kickoff. And that is a loss. In uh, the place where everything goes just fine for the Vikings, Soldier Field. They travel to the Meadowlands in New York to take on the football Giants Dumb. on uh, October 6th. That's a win. All right. Tough game here. The very talented Philadelphia Loss. Eagles. Put right. it as put chalk that up as an L. Detroit on the road, October twentieth. Matt Patricia has not. Uh, let's just assume not been fired or told any journalists to sit up or anything weird like that. Matt Patricia just running the Detroit Lions like a regular football coach. I'll, I'll give them a win there. All right, so you've got a five and two start for the Vikings. Things are going well. Who says you're negative? Uh, <laughs> At home against either Colt McCoy, Dwayne Haskins, or Case Keenum, your guess is as good as mine, October 24th. That is a win. All right. Unless Kirk gets it in his own head and it just becomes a disaster. Six and two start for the Vikings. Um, Dallas. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Chiefs. Kansas City on the road. Pat Mahomes in his follow-up to his MVP season, November 3rd. Loss. All right. Then they go to Dallas. Dak Prescott's got a new contract, I'm sure, by then. Zeke Elliott is most certainly back. Amari Cooper is driving a Maserati because he's got a new deal. They're playing at Dallas. Loss. Ooh, okay. Uh, Denver comes to town with Vic Fangio, who gave some fits to Kirk Cousins last year. I'm putting this one as a win. Okay. Uh, We have now on the road, after the bye week, in Seattle, a game on your network, ESPN, December 2nd. One of two Monday Night Football games. That one's going to be a loss. All right. Okay, so now they bring Detroit here. Matt Stafford comes to town. He has had some moments in U.S. Bank Stadium, good and bad. He got sacked 10 times last year, but he also led a game-winning, no, game-tying field goal, then (laughs) overtime win in 2016. Anyway, that's week 14, Detroit. It's a win. Can you tell me where I'm at right now? Or is that not? No, okay. that's against the rules. You were telling they me where I was They go to earlier. Los Angeles to play in a soccer stadium with probably more Vikings fans than Chargers fans December 15th. Can't wait for that one. I'll go ahead. I had this initially as a loss. This is going to be a win. Okay, it's a win. Green Bay at home, U.S. Bank Stadium. By then, Aaron Rodgers has not, most he's not playing certainly, anymore. He has certainly burned down Matt LaFleur. They fired him. They made a <laughs> linebackers coach the head coach. Um, I was going to say he wasn't playing anymore because they're out of the playoffs at this oh, point. Okay. Contention, so you that's really a win. Hate Green Bay right no, now. I just think it's a dumpster fire. I think it is really not good. And they have no playmakers. So whoever that was who like tweeted at me four weeks ago, I am still thinking about that tweet. <laughs> I don't that, hate remember, Green Bay. They're just a dumpster remember fire. Remember that guy who, like, tw- when oh, I was doing I ESPN yes, radio I on that re- Sunday, I and the guy just like, listed off the entire roster yes. and said that that's why they're going to the Super Bowl? Come find me. As as a grudge holder of tweets, I will say I'm impressed. I'm not mad. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. So that's a win. Then? That's a win. So it's a- <laughs> Merry Christmas. And Home, then- Chicago, December 29th, uh, maybe for a division title. Yes, they're not going to no-show in this one. This one's going to be a win. I okay. think if I did my math correctly, I have 11-5 and five now. 11-5? and five. Yeah. Courtney That's Cronin. about right. Hmm. Let's just save this, bring it back for any time that uh, you get the... Get called oh, negative. Why so negative? You're talking about uh, Benet Ben Wicker. He's not going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> well, because did anybody watch him play against Julio Jones last year? Does anybody remember that torching? Eleven and five. What did you have them at? Ten and six initially. So high on the Vikings right now. Well, because what what reasons do I have to not be outside of the? They have no cornerback depth. They have very little safety depth. I am worried. Yeah, sa- about uh, safety depth probably isn't changing the, no. the W now. No. So, well, um, 
it's hard. They it's, haven't given me a reason yet to panic or to to change anything that I thought. The only and that's like the thing about the preseason where you don't want to buy into stuff too early. Mm-hmm. I, I always caution myself as a, as a writer, just looking at stuff from. All right, it's still not real football. Right. It's still a very pared down version of the playbook. But what is real is last year they looked like a mess on offense in training Correct. camp. And then eventually and, became that mess. And now they don't look like a mess on offense. Right. They are actually doing things that bring out the best in Kirk Cousins. Right. Um, he's still going to be the guy that has some underthrown balls and, and needs Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs to react the way that they do um, in making really strong contested catches. But the scheme around him going under center more was, you know, leading to to better play action passes and leading to your outside zone and your run game. Truly the whole cliche of marrying the run in the pass. Um, it's nice to see it now because I think last year at August 14th, 2018, we're probably like, eh, hope it comes together. Well, we were talking about it on the sidelines hope it comes every, together. every day. So let me pick it apart a little bit before we go to a break. And we have hot routes and Zolgad's here and... Deadspin is making fun of the Vikings and everything. we got lots to talk about still. So if, if you're to pick it apart or a little, two wins against Green Bay, I'm not sure because I just don't know what Green Bay really is. And I also feel like Detroit has the capability to win one of these two games. Even though we don't respect them a lot, they added a ton to yes, their defense. And the defensive line scares me. If I'm, lo- if I'm looking at that, especially now that they've got Mike Daniels, they've got... And he's a problem for yes, the Vikings. Yes. He has been. And they're not gonna be able to run there. That's just that's a game where you're not looking at them running the ball very effectively at all. And I'm gonna I'd be thinking, how are you gonna get Dalvin Cook involved differently? But here's the other issue with that is last year, so they're running, oh, we're gonna run this McVeigh style offense because that's what Kirk is good at. Well, last year Detroit was the one to figure out the McVeigh offense and slow them down mm-hmm. and laid out the blueprint for the New England Patriots to win the Super Bowl. And that would be my concern there is it seems that Matt Patricia has some answers for this type of offense. The sneaky game on here, because uh, the Los Angeles one's hard to pick. That one to me is kind of a coin flip. But the sneaky game that you could lose, but you'd never think you were going to lose is Denver because of Vic Mm -hmm. Fangio, because of Vaughn Miller. And I, I, I almost foresee like a Buffalo style loss there where Vaughn Miller gets four sacks and two strip fumbles or whatever. You know what I mean? That's like, the one that's, that I have some one, trouble picking. But if you're picking if you're picking like a surprise upset or something, that's sure. the one. Joe Flacco gonna leap over uh Anthony Barnett. I, I, you know, I don't think so. I think he would probably break something. Probably, um, yeah. Do you think Washington could be a sneaky one too? Do you have any shred of hmm. any sort of doubt with that? So the only way that that happens would be just that Jay Gruden knows something. Right, and he's yes. just like he has some sort of he's got sense the, he's for his got former the book quarterback on, on Kirk Cousins, and that's my only thing. I'm thinking, okay, what kind of trick? What kind of thing? He's like, I know that this is what Kirk, like, I, this is what makes him tick. This is what's going to get him out of his rut, whether it's on the football field or yes, off the yeah. football field. A little psychological what, Jay Gruden warfare. What can warfare. they possibly? I mean, the other question they're is, they're going to fly a, still the coach by then. Yeah, I, I know mean, it, he's probably right? the first coach getting fired, right? Oh, I actually have him, those odds. Yes, him, Shermer, Marone. Um, we need to go over that later. Okay, let's. Uh, we got to take a break. Zolgad's coming in. He'll love coaching firing odds. Well, I just like, want to. Can I say like Judd. one thing on my Kirk? thing what's the kirk thing um what if like jay gruden just hires like one of those planes to like paint something in the sky just says kurt oh yeah oh wow yeah fly over his house (laughs) k-i-r-t or kurt (laughs) k-u-r-t that's some psychological warfare oh that that would be hilarious that would be your simpsons meme of angry man shakes fist at cloud yes um, that's not what that means, but that's okay. Well, that would be Kirk on the ground being like, don't call me Kurt. No. no. Okay, I gotta it's, go. It's the old man. <laughs> is, it's like when someone's behind the times and they're yelling at clouds. It's all right. Well, you're not a big Simpsons person, so I'll, I'll give you a pass on that one. Zolgad is in next. We've got hot routes coming up. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh, cosmic, crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home. 
with savings on top brands, like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home, or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.